All right. What's going on, everybody? This is Chris, and you are listening to Tales from the Tar Heel State. Um, so this week, what's going on? Um, just had the year wrap up on Spotify. That was pretty neat, getting to see all the uh, statistics and everything. From this year, um, audience-wise, numbers-wise, so thanks to everybody that listens. And um, this year, I'm going to try to put a little more work into this. I don't know if it'll be more entertaining, but it'll hopefully be more uh, informative at least. I don't know. Um, You know, I got nothing else to do but put a little time into this shit. So let's see what we can come up with. So today, what's happening? Um, Thanks to you guys for Spotify wrap up. I want to talk about that for sure. Uh, I had an episode while uh, I think it was the last one before the last Sound was fucked up, um, so I heard back about that a little bit, and uh, yeah, sorry about that. That was my fault. Uh, I was fucking around with the uh, EQ and didn't turn the uh, reverb back down, so sorry about that echo you heard. Um, it was not intentional to make it sound like that, uh, but that's what happens sometimes when you don't really know what you're doing in the production side of this thing, and uh, don't really, well, certainly didn't know what I was doing when I first started doing this. And, um, yeah, so, uh, hopefully we can laugh and grow together. And, uh, anyway, this episode, I want to talk about a list I came across. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, so I wanted to talk about it. Uh, and it's pertaining to, uh, music and the musicians here from North Carolina or that have, you know, been tied to North Carolina in some kind of, uh, you know, meaningful way. I was a little surprised by this list. Um, This list is um, top 10 most influential um, by this gentleman uh, named Jason Bivens. Um, He is a professor of religious studies at NC State um, over in the big capital city there, Raleigh. As they said on the Andy Griffith show, Capital City. And, um, over Raleigh, um, Barney will be staying at the Y, you know, that's where a young man goes to have a good time, as we know from the village people. Uh, but this guy's a professional guitarist and a, uh, uh, author of such books as, uh, Spirits Rejoice, Jazz and American Religion. Um, so he's an author, a professional guitarist, toured musician, a touring musician, or has been a touring musician and um, a professor of religious studies at state. Now, this is his top 10 list of most influential musicians from North Carolina. <clears throat> Number two, right off the bat, she's not um, from North Carolina, which I thought, you know, I don't know how she really um, classifies. Uh, you know, she did spend her last like four years of her life here. I didn't. See a lot of ties. It looked like she was from Georgia and lived in Pennsylvania, maybe. Uh, so I don't know, um, you know, why she's, you know, where she's at on here. But that's all right. We'll talk about her anyway. Uh, so I'm going to give you the list of these 10 people that this gentleman, uh, Professor Jason Bivens at NC State, who he thinks the top 10 most influential um, musicians are that were, you know, like I said, connected to North Carolina. Uh, number one, Charlie Poole. Uh, number two, Mary Lou Williams, Thelonious Sphere Monk. 
at number three, Max Roach at number four, uh, John Coltrane at number five, Nina Simone at number six, George Clinton with his funky self at number seven, uh, Maceo Parker, another funk meister at number eight, and um, number nine, Emmylou Harris. I'm um, not sure about that one either. Haven't, we haven't, I haven't gone over her yet uh, in my list. I'm just doing the top five here today. <clears throat> I'm just going to go through these top five. I'm just reading off the list. But uh, Corrosion of Conformity, number 10. So it's a rather interesting list from this uh, religious studies professor. Um, I'll give my thoughts on it a little bit more towards the end of this episode um, about his list. Uh, but let's talk about number one, Charlie Poole. Uh, he was a banjo picker. Uh, he was born like, uh, shit, man, into the 1800s, I think 1892. And, um, yeah, that's what we got here. March 22nd, 1892 in Franklinville, which was like a cotton mill town, um, in the Piedmont area of North Carolina, near High Point and places like that. If you don't know where that is, uh, Winston-Salem. Somewhere in that direction, I reckon. Um, I think even where I live at here is considered the Piedmont. So it's a pretty wide, you know, ranging area of the Piedmont. Um, but it was very, you know, well known for cotton mills and stuff like that. So um, at any rate, yeah, he's he was born here. He died here. Uh, lived his whole life here. He died at 39. He was an interesting fellow. <laughs> he was known as a uh, rambler and a rounder. <laughs> a rambler and a rounder, y'all. I don't know if uh, y'all know what those things are, but uh, I think it would be like uh, Papa was a rolling stone, to put it in uh, terms that uh, other folks might understand. A rambler and a rounder, it's a little regional, southern, and old school shit. So Papa was a rolling stone. I think we all can uh, understand that reference. Um he was also a band leader, banjo picker, like I said, and a singer. Um, he had a bunch of hits like uh, Don't Let Your Deal Go Down and the uh, White House Blues and uh, If I Lose, I Don't Care, which is fucking awesome. Um, that reminded me of Motorhead uh, and Lemmy Kilmister. One of his uh, mottos there was uh, Live to Win, Born to Lose, baby. You know? <laughs> and that's the way I like it, baby. I don't want to live forever. Um so yeah, this chat, he's, this cat didn't make it too long. He died at 39, drank himself to death. Um, he was wild as fuck. There was tons of stories about him doing wild shit. Um, one of them was like right after the depression. Um, <laughs> he was needing money, and this uh, movie company out of Hollywood um, sent him some cash for tickets and shit to uh, make it out there. Some train tickets, I guess. And... Uh, <laughs> This motherfucker gets the money for the tickets. Instead of going out there, he goes on a bender and just gets fucking hammered for like a month or so and uh, raises hell and parties and blows all the money instead of uh, going to Hollywood. So that that clearly wasn't the best move. Uh, Evidently, at the end of this, uh, he uh, collapsed on his sister's porch and died. His uh, old ticker gave out. So, uh, you know, you can't be drinking liquor all the goddamn time and expect to uh, live forever, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, he died in Spray, which is down in Rockingham County. Um, 
so yeah, he lived here, died here, had some big hits, and uh, yeah, Charlie Poole, everybody, if you didn't know who he was, now you do, you can check it out, look him up, uh, apparently like Taylor Swift plays in the three-finger style of picking, uh, <laughs> you know, for all you Swifties out there, um, and apparently he made that kind of a famous style, it's like a precursor to uh, Earl Scruggs and shit. Um, with his style of picking. And uh, I think the rumor was something about he broke his fucking finger or something um, playing baseball growing up. And so that's why he started picking like that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, interesting, interesting. Drank yourself to death at 39. God damn. That's doing the damn thing. Talk about going hard in the paint. So, yeah. Uh, number two was Mary Lou Williams. I never heard of her, um, but evidently she wrote hundreds of tunes for people like Duke Ellington and shit. Um, you know, she uh, even played with Duke when she was young, um, some of his earlier stuff. Um, she did arrangements for Tommy Dorsey, Benny Goodman. She uh, taught and um, was friends with like Charlie Parker and fucking Thelonious Monk. So she is, you know, hugely influential. She was not born here in North Carolina. She was looking. She was born in, like I said, uh, Georgia, and then um, she spent a lot of time in Philly and shit like that. And so yeah, but then she ended up coming back here to uh, North Carolina in '77, I believe it was, and she uh, evidently um, she was doing like a teaching gig there, like a residency at uh, Duke. And, um, yeah, she got bladder cancer and, uh, took her out. She died in 81. So, yeah, she was, uh, you know, she spent her last days here. I guess she must have loved it here. Um, evidently, I don't know. Maybe she, she might've been made to feel really at home there at Duke. So maybe that's why they have her here listed as a, well, I mean, obviously she's super influential. I just don't know how they're tying her into North Carolina. It seems a little bit of a stretch, but. Um, maybe not so much when you see the other people that on this list that she influenced and, um, stuff like that. So, uh, speaking of that, uh, oh yeah, I mean, she dizzy. I mean, so many people she was, uh, you know, she was around and stuff. So number three was Thelonious, Thelonious Monk. And, uh, if you don't know who Thelonious was, he was, you know, he's, he is the second most recorded jazz artist. Uh, first is Duke Ellington. Uh, so Thelonious' stuff is really good. I, I like. There's an album. I think it's 1969 Underground. It's got a really cool fucking cover uh, on that album. And the music is. I mean, all this shit. Straight No Chaser. If you can, if you don't know anything about Monk, there's a great uh, documentary about him. Um, I think it's called Straight No Chaser. You can check that out. Um, he was a really troubled guy. He had a lot of. Uh, psychiatric issues he was known to not talk to anybody sometimes for days and he um yeah he was uh he was an interesting cat to say the very least um he was on the cover of time magazine once uh one of only like four or five different jazz musicians to be on the cover uh people like you know i think dizzy is on the cover uh duke maybe um who else am I thinking of? Shit. I don't know. I don't know if Miles was on there. I can't remember who the other people were. But uh, Thelonious Monk is one of those people. Maybe, um, I don't know if Mingus is on there or not, but 
Um, at any rate, yeah, Thelonious Mutt was born in Rocky Mount. Um, of course, he got the hell out of here. I don't, I don't think he lived here all that long. I'm not really sure about that, how many years he lived here um, before he moved up north and shit. Um, but his first commercial recordings were in 44. And so, um, you know, he wasn't around here all that long before he moved away, uh, moved up north. Um, his first recordings were with Coleman Hawkins, by the way, um, famous saxophone player from back in the day. But yeah, apparently uh, Thelonious was crazy as fuck. If you watch like that Straight No Chaser, I think is what it is, uh, that documentary. <coughs> he... Um, I mean, you can just kind of see he does weird shit, like gets up in the middle of playing and walks around in little circles and shit, and he's always, like, fucking with his rings. I don't know if he did drugs or not, or if he was just that, you know, that strange of a cat, um, that many ticks and shit, you know? Um, but he was clearly a musical genius. He played in a very unique style that, you know, many people have emulated and stuff over the years. Um... But yeah, he was super fucking crazy. He got turned down. He he, he reported for military duty, and uh, they turned him down. Um, is a psych a psychiatric a psychiatric or psych I forget how they worded it. Might have been psychotic uh, reject back then, but a psychiatric reject or something to that effect. Um, maybe not psychotic. Maybe psychiatric reject. Um, yeah. So I mean, he just didn't. Have the social skills as uh, Bobby Boucher didn't have the social skills uh, to make it, you know, uh, with regular folks. So, you know, he was definitely a uh, troubled artist type fellow. And, uh, you know, there's a thin line between fries and shakes. There's a thin line between motherfucking genius and uh, crazy as hell, too. So, you know, that's uh, pretty well known. Pretty commonly known, I believe. But yeah, Monk definitely should be on the list of North Carolinians, even though he didn't live here that long, because he was born here at least. And um, seems like that should be part of the criteria. I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not a professor. I'm, you know, I didn't make this list. That's our uh, professor uh, Bivens there. I believe was who what his name was. Bivens is that it was was Bivens. Yeah, Jason Bivens, religious studies professor. Uh, number four, he has Max Roach on here. Um, if you don't know who Max was, he, he was a drummer and a band leader. Um, you know, fucking badass drummer. Um, one of the best ever. He did not live here very long, though. I think he pretty much moved away when he was really, really young. Um, you know, he was out of here he was born in Pasquotank County uh, that's like the great dismal swamp area middle of no fucking where I think that's where uh, what was it was it uh, what was it Blackrock no I think that's like the crazy big company I don't know they turned into Z they called themselves Z they were uh, those cats that were uh, hired military trained dudes going over there like retired military guys and shit going over to Afghanistan so they're like Basically, like, goddamn rent-a-cops for military zone, which is fucking scary to think about. But, um, yeah, Max Roach um, was wild, you know, widely known and famous as fuck and 
was a he and Kenny, he and Kenny Clark, um, kind of credited with uh, the bebop styles of drumming. Um, his first recordings were also with Coleman Hawkins, just like uh, Thelonious Monk. Um, his first recordings were in '43, um, so World War II times. And he played with everybody under the fucking sun at some point or other, you know. There's all kinds of recordings from back in the day. A lot of the shows like Live at Birdland and shit like that. I'm sure, you know, Dizzy and Bird and Miles and Monk and all kinds of people like that. <clears throat> Max Roach played with at some times or other. I'm not sure about Miles, but, you know, he just, I'm sure they probably sat in at some point together. I don't know. But Max Roach was, uh, you know, widely recorded widely respected and um certainly an influential drummer in the jazz field and um and any anybody that plays drums mostly knows who the fuck max roach is um so yeah he definitely deserves to be on the list of uh influential north carolinian musicians uh who's next number five john coltrane maybe the best saxophone player ever uh if you don't know who john coltrane is uh He's played with uh, Miles Davis and stuff on a bunch of, you know, on a few albums. So I think some of the smoking and uh, relaxing, steaming, uh, those albums, like right there. It's like 56, I think, when those were done. 55, 56, 57, maybe somewhere around in there. Um, so, yeah, those were um, killer fucking albums. All those are great records. Uh, the lineup's great. I think uh, Cannonball Adderley might play on there with one of those albums, too. I'm not sure. You got him and Coltrane playing on there together. But uh, Coltrane was born in Hamlet, North Carolina. And um, he fucking grew up here. Um, he was all the way through high school and uh, then moved away. Um, he was in the military. I don't know if a lot of people know that he was in the military for a while. I think he might have even served a year in World War II, if I'm not mistaken. And... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he played with Miles, and um, he did Love Supreme, which is, you know, one of the greatest jazz albums ever made. Oh, uh, if you've never listened to it, you owe it to yourself. Check out Love Supreme. Um, other people have redone the whole album, I think, like um, the Mahavishnu Orchestra maybe redid the whole thing, um, which is uh, Pat Metheny, I guess. Uh, jazz guitarist, if you don't know who that is, uh, considered one of the greatest jazz guitarists ever. Um, but yeah, the Love Supreme was like, uh, he had a, a bit of a religious awakening, if you will. And, um, so Coltrane, that helped, he accredited that to uh, helping him quit, you know, shooting dope, getting off heroin and, um, helping him get off alcohol and shit and straightening his life out. And he became way more productive musically and really pumped out a lot of music before he died. Um, but, you know, Coltrane, definitely one of the greatest, definitely has to be on the list. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can't deny that. Influence-wise, he was huge. So that's the uh, little rundown of the top five that this professor did um, on his top ten list. I don't, you know. I'm not going to disagree with any of these people being on there, but that's number two seemed a little strange. I guess her influence is huge, but her ties to North Carolina is not that big. I guess what I would say to that. 
All right, so that's the top five, um, the top ten most influential. I, I see some people here that you know that I know that are North Carolinians, uh, musicians that I thought you know certainly somebody like Doc Watson should have been on there. Um, incredibly influential to a lot of pickers out there. Um, if you don't know who Doc was, he was a blind man went to the School of Arts, in North Carolina. Um, when he was a kid or, you know, pretty young, whatever. Grew up having to do what everybody else in the family had to do work-wise and all that shit, even though he was blind, wasn't treated different on the farm. And So he was a rough old fella, could play the hell out of a guitar. Uh, his son, Merle, the biggest bluegrass festival, um, you know, used to be the biggest one in the world, was held here in North Carolina in Wilkesboro, which is where uh, Doc is from that area, Deep Gap area. And um, <clears throat> so Merle was his son. He was a picking son of a bitch. And um, he died in a tragic accident on a tractor. Uh, word on the street is that he was probably doing cocaine and been hanging out all night in a uh, sawmill doing boards and shit and doing stuff like that and shooting dope. Or, you know, not shooting dope, but shooting boards through a sawmill and doing cocaine. And um, apparently something sheared off and went through his arm. And he was bleeding pretty bad, so he jumped on a tractor and rode across the field to the neighbors. And, you know, he was kind of a big, scary dude. Uh, this is all according to my my old man, who apparently was friends with him for a while at one time. Um, and then, he, you know, the people freaked out and kind of shut the door in his face. And he got back on the tractor and then went back towards his house and rolled the tractor on top of it. But anyway, I would argue those people should have been on that list of uh, musicians that were influential. Um, certainly Doc, I don't know about Merle, but certainly Doc. And, um, so that's someone I thought we should have been on the top 10 list. But, um, some other people that are from North Carolina here that, you know, certainly had influence. Uh, you got Dale McCory is born here, I believe. And, um, Charlie Daniels, uh, Dale went down to Georgia, motherfuckers. We'll be forgetting about old Charlie. Long haired country boy. Um, <laughs> Back before uh, he changed the lyrics and shit and got all Christian-y on us. It's all right, man. Fucking, you ain't going to go to hell for smoking some reefer. God damn it. Um, but Luke Combs is a big, huge star these days. Uh, he's from North Carolina. Um, it's another old boy from up there around Boone. Uh, can't think of his name. Drawing a fucking blank right now. Sorry. Eric Church. There it is. I fucking got it. God damn it. Sorry about that, Eric Church. If you ever hear this, I didn't mean to leave you out, but uh, that's some more country folks that are, uh, you know, big stars from North Carolina. Um, some of the uh, bands, you know, shit that I saw growing, you know, when I was coming up, like Archer's Loaf, uh, great fucking like independent, you know, like an indie punk rock type band, um, what they call noise rock. I don't know what the hell that means, but uh, guitar rock, if you will. Um, those guys were killer. Uh, saw those guys probably, shit, I don't know, maybe I've seen them seven times probably back in the day. Um, we used to throw darts at Armadillo Grill and shit. <laughs> Sometimes I, I remember going there and playing, and then we were going to the Archer's Love Show after the dart match, and uh, those guys were in there eating some fucking Armadillo Grill before their show, which was hilarious. Um, but uh, Ben Folds 5, you know, he played, he came out of around Chapel Hill area. Um I don't know if any of y'all remember who they were. Uh, he was like a piano player. It was a trio. And um, he had the Flat Duo Jets, which was like a precursor to the White Stripes. 
Um, Simon's dad was buddies with uh, the uh, guitar player for them. I'm drawing a blank on my man's name right now. Oh, God. It'll come to me in a minute. Uh, Super Chunk. Super Chunk's another North Carolina band. It's big. The Connells. Uh, Nantucket was a band out in the back, you know, the late 70s, uh, early 80s. My dad supposedly knew those guys too. You know, no, you know my dad uh, was full of shit about a lot of stuff, uh, so I don't know what's what. Um, uh, Corrosion of Conformity. This is a fucking pretty big time metal band. Had a lot of influence. Uh, I remember James Hetfield even cited them as uh, his favorite metal band one year in some magazine interview I was reading back in the day. And um, yeah, I can't believe I don't remember the Flat Duo Jets name, the main dude there. It's something weird. Uh, something that's it's not weird. It's it's unusual and it's cool sounding, but I can't fucking think of it right now. But, uh, yes, I mean, that's a bunch of North Carolina people. I mean, that's not to mention people like the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Um, they were fucking pretty big at one time. They had a big hit with a song called Hell. Uh, I remember seeing those guys back at, um, shit, I wasn't old enough to drink yet. They played at a gig at Local 506 and um, went and saw them there. That was when Stacy Guess was still in the band. He was a Chapel Hill uh, fella. Um, I think he was a year or two older than me. And, um, yeah, he, uh, passed away from a heroin overdose is what I was told many years ago. I don't know if that's exactly true, but that was, uh, what I was, uh, told back in the day. Uh, so if that's not true, don't come at me. I'm not trying to slander the the man's name at all um i just remember he was a real nice dude dexter romweber there we go that's dexter is um the uh, lead dude for flat duo jets and so they were doing that shit he and um oh my goodness what was the other dude played the drums uh, but yeah dexter's from carbro and um yeah, and Chris Smith on drums, which is not me, not the same Chris Smith, obviously. Um, or I would be thrilled to be affiliated with any rock band, especially somebody as cool as those cats were, uh, and influential on bands like uh, the White Stripes and the Black Keys. Um, but anyways, yeah, just a little uh, North Carolina music rundown, just a little episode for y'all to check out, a little information in this motherfucker. And uh, maybe you get something out of it. Maybe you'll tell your friends to check it out and uh, pass the word along. Tell us from the Tar Heel State. I'm uh, going to try to grow this thing this year a little bit if it's possible. I don't know. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep fucking putting the shit out on Twitter. Try to get some people to listen to it. And, um, you know, I enjoy doing it. It would be great to start connecting with some people, start getting some more responses back. So uh, please tell a friend. You know, give it a thumbs up or whatever the fuck you do on here and um, subscribe or, um, you know, download the episodes. That helps. And, um, yeah, anyway, love you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully, uh, like I say, we can laugh and grow and uh, maybe learn a little something along the way this year. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks again.